The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, uh, this podcast is about the Milwaukee Brewers. I'd almost forgotten um, what it was about. Um, I thought I was a podcaster on movies, world football, music, not television. Got kicked very off Very clearly for that not one. TV. Uh, very clearly not television. But... Uh, I'm back. I still miss the Milwaukee Brewers, but baseball is in full-on off-season mode. How are you experiencing what is now your second baseball off-season? I know you're busy as well. Um, how am I experiencing it? My experience of it up until, I guess, recent days has been that we talk about executives and we talk about owners. And I don't even want to get into that on this pod because I feel like every time we say something, every time we... We say we need to hear more from this person. They then will do it after we record, which is very inconsiderate. Maybe, Andrew, we are the spark. Maybe they're listening to us. And you know, th- that's a good idea. Maybe we should. Um, but yeah, it's all been the kind of politics of the Milwaukee Brewers, the front office uh, machinations. That's been my experience of it so far. We're starting to get some more of the roster building stuff in, though. Some decisions being made. Uh, am I 
am I fully understanding where they're coming from all these decisions? Not necessarily, but decisions are being made and the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers are starting to be shaped. They are. Uh, moves have started to be made, like you said. The baseball offseason, unfortunately, is not fast and furious and exciting like an NBA offseason might be, or even not as exciting as an NFL offseason uh, might be. So it. So it's really in line to... with baseball's place generally on the excitement scale, is what you're saying. Exactly. They don't want to, like, uh, they wouldn't want to market or shape things in a way that would make people uh, actually excited to watch it. Who would want that? But two bits of Brewers news, among other uh, minor happenings. Uh, the Brewers, to our surprise, and I think to surpri- the surprise of a lot of guys on the Brewers beat per our discussion last week, uh, are exercising their $10 million club option on Colton Wong. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that they would opt for the $2 million buyout. Instead, they're going to retain Wong. And, you know, we'll talk about this briefly. We'll get into his season at large when we review uh, last season's infield per- performance, but we do want to touch on this. Um, Not something that I expected, just based on kind of uh, trying to read the tea leaves originally. Uh, towards the end of last year obviously he had a tough season defensively but was very good against right-handed pitching at the plate and one of the more uh, valuable hitters on this team at the plate for that reason for the difficulties around the second base market uh, and potentially the third base market obviously Wong leaving meant there would be a gap at second base to be filled by probably Bryce Terang or Luis Arias but it gives them options as the offseason goes along to trade someone on the roster to have infield depth. So for those reasons, I think it does make a lot of sense to do one last ride with Colton Wong, even if it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, very similar. And I guess it doesn't, it doesn't completely preclude the possibility that he ends up getting traded yet, Um, which that might be a case of, okay, well, I don't know. I haven't even thought really about the second base market very much because it did seem like one way or another, there was kind of a clear answer for that on the Brewers roster, whether that was going to be Colton or whether it's like, okay, well, Bryce Strang's going to be promoted and we're going to see Weicho there more often. Um, if that market isn't super strong, maybe Colton Wong is someone that you you could dangle towards the tail end of that either and you're happy to have him if it comes down to that. So, yeah, I... I don't have a problem with it. Like, in a vacuum, he finished the season very well, played very well. I don't think any kind of conversations we were having about, well, what does Colton Wong look like next year really factored into too much of even what we saw late in the season of him as a player. It was more the idea of, well, if you're spending that much money on him, does that mean there's money to spend anywhere else? That that feels like that was kind of a factor in it. And maybe with that, if they wanted to do any kind of meaningful reworking, you'd think, okay, well, you're going to have to cut ties there to free up some some room to maneuver and possibly sign some players. So that's the one thing with that is are they now even more kind of financially hamstrung in terms of what's available to Matt Arnold to go out and find a free agent or take on salary in a trade or something like that. That would be the one question with it, but Colomong finished the season pretty strong offensively. Um, We know it was far, far from his best defensive season, but, maybe his worst defensive season of his career. I haven't looked at the numbers on that, but that certainly wouldn't be a shock. There were spells in there where the defense got good. I think it did also trend up from the middle of the season where he hit rock bottom. He did certainly improve again. 
I don't know if he's ever going to come back to anything close to his best at this point in his career. Probably not, but there are worse options to have to bring back than Colton Wong. It's just, it's really the question of the knock-on effect. What does it mean for what they can spend or what kind of deals they're going to look to make? What does it mean for someone like Bryce Terang? That's really what comes out of bringing Colton Wong back as much as anything else. Another move that that was made is one going in the opposite direction, potentially. Uh, there's still things to happen there, but uh, the Brewers are not going to pick up Brad Boxberger's $3 million option. Instead, they will pay the $750,000 buyout, although there is potential that they could uh, work something out for less than that option was going to be. Uh, it came out that the Brewers had placed him on waivers uh, prior to not picking up the option and i need this i need this explained to me because this was so they placed him on waivers and matt arnold has gone on record as saying look we knew from that that there wasn't really a market for him at that price so we're we're still interested we may see if we could do a deal and if he'd like to you come back at a lower price so it you're placing him on waivers though so you don't actually want them anyway market or no market like I just the the sequencing of that is not something, for example, I've ever heard an NBA executive talk about. Um, and I thought it was pretty, pretty weird, a little bit you to me. And I don't know, maybe maybe everyone is much less precious about that in baseball because that's just the way it is, maybe particularly if you're a veteran reliever like Box is now. But I just I found that a little bit confusing because you don't want them. You're getting rid of them. I guess the way of really digging in is they're like, we don't want you at 3 million. We might want you at 1 million. But yeah, I found that to be interesting. Yeah, I had, I'm sure it's happened sometime before in this manner and I've just not noticed it, but I never heard of something like that. Uh, if I were a player, I would be pretty offended by it, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, they're still having to pay the $750,000 buyout. So which is also how much what, could you save? Like, what are so, we talking about? Yeah. So about my my question is like, what are they valuing him at? Is it one point five million or or nothing? If they're paying him two million or something like that, it's basically the same <laughs> as the option. Why just go through the fuss of it all? Um, yeah, just very weird from an optics perspective. Box, uh, you know, um, has worked a lot in the last two seasons. I think he's going to be what thirty five going into or at some point during the 2023 season he had some good performances he had some bad performances one of the things i mean he finished the year with a 295 era um but a uh, 1.234 fip so the the base or whip excuse me uh the bases were crowded whenever uh he found his way on the mound he had to uh have other relievers get him out of jams from time to time he had performances where he would get himself into jams and work his way out of jams. It was a roller coaster ride of a season for, for Boxberger, despite the overall good numbers, but at his age, um, yeah, he'll turn 35 in May, uh, with the workload, the last few seasons being two of the more bulk inning seasons of his career. You can make the argument that, Oh, if he does that again. He's providing great value again at a great cost, or it could be getting to the point where the declining, slightly declining fastball velocity and just the amount of base runners uh, he's allowing. Uh, he allowed, I think, the highest flight ball rate of his career last year. So is he, he about to enter a situation where he turns into Taylor Rogers and can't keep the ball in the ballpark? 
who knows but uh the 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 waiver the waiver not claiming then not picking up the option is a little weird for me but from a pure um roster building perspective if they go out and acquire the right pieces to replace him i'm fine with it if they don't then they've just made a thin bullpen even thinner so kind of a weird move given the low cost but i get it from a like a pure player perspective and worrying about if there's a drop-off coming i i don't really have a problem i've been on the record for a while that i became increasingly suspicious of bucks as the season went on it really did feel like his stuff was not working like it was early in the year um at his age at the rate the brewers have worked him like they may have just worked him into the ground these last two years and that might have been kind of the last good pitching that he has you know it may not be the case uh but he's one where i have to say i felt like the eye test was telling me something very different than the numbers every time we looked at them the numbers were holding up he was finding ways to get out of trouble but i don't know if you want to push him a year deeper with another season's worth of pitches on his arm and be like oh is he going to get out of trouble as often as he did last year and that's not to say there weren't plenty of times where he didn't get out of trouble either and i i don't have a major issue with if the philosophy is generally let's rebuild the bullpen you know whether you can successfully do that is remains to be seen and boxes by no means like the worst of the the brewers bullpen if you were looking to start and be like okay well who needs to go and who where do we need to to make changes um, but if there is just kind of a, a clearer picture in Matt Arnold's mind where it's like, okay, there's three, four bullpen arms here who are like gonna still be around, I don't have a problem with tearing this thing apart otherwise because it does feel like they need to do it. I'm not I'm not overly opposed to it. I was more baffled when the oh well, you know, we'll see how his free agency goes came out because i was like well you waved him like let's just let's move on um or did they even technically wave him did they not pick up his option before he cleared waivers i i don't understand again it's just that's a strange sequencing to me um that was very new to me so i'm i'm actually a little surprised and it's even more curious that it's not something that you're like oh this happens all the time um so that's interesting can't can't say that i've ever necessarily noticed it i'll start playing uh the baseball version of uh football manager during my free time and then then i'll come to this with just like every every possible outcome uh briefly very briefly we don't want to touch on this too much uh before we get to the purpose of this episode part of that bullpen rebuild may have already happened the uh part of it uh uh, uh, brewers are taking a gamble on a guy named tech tyson miller excuse me i claimed him off waivers from the Texas Rangers, originally a fourth-round pick of the Chicago Cubs, has not had much success at the major league level. Uh, he made, uh, he pitched ten and two-thirds innings last season for the Texas Rangers at a ten-nine-seven ERA. That's not what you want. Jesus. Spent most of the season in Triple uh, A with a four-five-five-two ERA and eighty-nine and two-thirds innings. He's pitching in the PCL, which is a notoriously tough in environment for pitchers uh given the ballparks in that league so not sure we can read anything into his minor league stats but the 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 major league stats are not pretty uh the brewers pitching lab will try and and revamp his his repertoire and and see if he can be another success story there 
pitch mix is very interesting right now. It features a sinker, slider, changeup, and a curveball. Uh, Matt Arnold said they're open to trying him out as a starter or a reliever. So this is a guy that I would imagine will start at Nashville where the, while they try and, and see if he can turn into anything. Um, but yeah, they're taking a bet on, I guess, his his stuff and uh, his athleticism, they said. So they believe he's a guy that they can uh, get in the lab and and uh, find another another uh, diamond. Thoughts, Adam? Um, that pitch mix is interesting because it does scream out someone who should be looking to be a starter more than anything else. I mean, uh, the issue may be that he's been put in a bullpen role and he doesn't just have kind of any sort of electric stuff. He doesn't have one pitch that is going to befuddle anyone. Um, I don't know that that ERA. It's a very small sample size, but that ERA with the Rangers is a little alarming. We'll see what happens there. I I asked you when it happened. I was like, "Are we? This is like, is this a Brewers move? Is this are they looking to the minors?" And you're like, "I think it's Nashville." Uh, so I'd I'd kind of just settled in with that. I trusted you, but now you've thrown a curveball in the mix here. Um, I think and... it's a lottery ticket situation. Okay, well. It's like... I I'd like to see some uh some high percentage bets placed as well this this off season. That's that's I think what I'd come out of like if it's like oh yeah we'll move on from box. That's like, well okay. if if <laughs> if in February we're talking about this as their primary bullpen move, Adam, we'll be having a different conversation. We'll be, yeah, of course. Um, the, the final move should... before yeah Go final on. move that we should mention is Brewers traded for their former catching prospect Peyton Henry got him uh, back from the Miami Marlins. For 17-year-old outfielder Remington Batista, uh, Henry played 20 games with the Marlins last year. Hit 186. Uh, he, I think, was or he, yeah, he played across 20 games. I think he got into 44 games uh, overall, 29 at three minor league levels, and then got hurt in June. Brewers have four catchers on the roster now with Henry, Victor Caratini, Mario Feliciano, and Alex Jackson. Omar Narvaez is almost certainly not returning. But uh, yeah, just a, a small depth catching move, probably again in Nashville. Maybe again in Nashville, but from what I read up on him and from what the Brewers read on him was, it seems like pre-trade, they were very high in him as a defensive catcher. And it seems like that that backup catcher spot might be up for grabs. Like they might just be happy enough to have some guys battle it out, but. You're telling me I'm not getting Sean Murphy. I'm telling you that, yeah. I, I think we're going to get Victor Caratini plus whoever wants to emerge out of the Feliciano, Peyton Henry, Alex Jackson core. So Peyton Henry, Mario Feliciano, got it. Um, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The other Sh- thing we, we... Sh- we should, I mean, this is going to bring us into the purpose of this episode, but I do think we need to address it maybe up the top. Um, the purpose of this oh, episode yeah. and our next few episodes going forward is we're going to go position group by position group. We're going to work our way through the Brewers roster and we're going to offer out grades for their performance last season. Um, we're going to settle on single grades. There's no hedging here. I won't get to give one grade. Andrew gives another. Uh, we may share kind of where we're at and we'll negotiate for a single cruising for a bruising grade for these players for the season. We're starting with starting pitchers. That's been an interesting week for rumblings around the Brewers starting pitching. Um, we had Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic suggests that Corbin Burns is someone who 
there could be active talks on this season. He could be someone who's gettable on the trade market. And then we had Jeff Passan of ESPN come, what, two days later? And with his own reporting on the Brewers starting pitching and bringing not just Corbin Burns, but Brandon Woodruff into that mix and essentially painting that it's more likely the Brewers look to add to that group of starting pitchers than it is that they're trading either of those guys. I know which of those reports we would like to uh, row in behind, but this does feel like something that's coming one way or another. I mean, Jeff Passan could be right, but Ked Rosenthal also could be that if a really good offer came in for Corbin Burns, the Brewers just say, okay, well, now is the time to do that. It just it seems like we're going to get to that point one way or another. Um, between all of the recent press conferences or uh, interview slash fan Q&A opportunities we've had, there would have been plenty of opportunity for someone to be a little bit bolder and be like, no, we realize what we've got and how special it is and we're going to do everything to work this out. We're going to get extensions done soon. Like that's, And that's not the case. And we, we had the, com- the comments from Corbin Burns late last season where um, he expressed his surprise that there hadn't even been discussions about an extension yet. So it's not what any of us want, but I do feel like it's a matter of time. Now, if we're still talking about the brewers of the bites of the apple, you should be maximizing your bites with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I do feel like both of those reports could be accurate. Like they they may well be going into this offseason with the mindset that uh, Jeff Passan is outlining. But that doesn't mean that Ken Rosenthal ultimately isn't proven to be correct. Where are you at on this? Uh, I think, uh, I think either, either scenario is possible. I think it's more likely that they go into this year with what they've got. And, if they're a disaster at the deadline or next offseason will be when that movement happens. I think it would be absurd to make that move right now. I think it would be the absolute dumbest possible thing for an organization that's never won a World Series to tell us about bites at the apple, to watch exactly what happened last year where two teams that you would think have no business being in the National League Championship Series are there because... They made meaningful additions around a core of already elite players, and it worked. I think you need to invest this offseason at midseason if you're in contention, and then if it doesn't work out and you can't get a deal done with both of them, you trade one of them, and then you lock the other one into your core. Obviously, we know it's probably going to be Woodruff locked in, Burns traded just based on what we've heard. But I think like it would just be insulting to the fans to trade one of those two guys during this offseason. This team is not as far away as trading an ace on your pitching staff. Like, they're not to that point yet. You can, you know, we didn't like it. We still don't like it. We're never going to like it. Trading a one inning for the Brewers, multiple innings for the Padres, I should say, reliever uh, that you know you're not going to sign is one thing. Not trading one of the at-his-best five to 10 best starting pitchers in major league baseball when you can still probably win the division or win a wild card game or a wild card series. Now, uh, next season, I think it would just be so stupid. It would be punting this 
this way too soon. I think the the ultimate flaw and the logic of what the Brewers have been trying to sell everyone on for quite some time would come down to, and they still point to it, and it's been, you know, last year it was like, look at the Braves, and this year it's like, look at the Phillies. Um, If you don't have top-tier pitching, if you don't have a couple of guys who can really anchor that down, it's no longer even just a, oh, you know, well, maybe we get hot. Maybe we get hot and we're there. It's like, that's that's where I even as a as an exercise, I try to think about, okay, what kind of what kind of deal would they look for for Cor- Corbin Burns? What kind of package makes sense? And that's really tough to get a handle on because the team is still good where you'd be like, okay, well, if you're trading Corbin Burns, you'd probably want like certainly a very good starter back if that multiple, you'd want some prospects. Like, I don't even know what way they would look in trying to tread the needle between a future move and a now move where it feels like they would have to still consider the now because of some of the other guys on their roster. For them, the way the depth in their organization is structured, they would almost certainly have to get whatever trading team's best starting pitching prospect. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. But in that scenario, for me, especially going into 2023, when that particular piece would probably not be contributing at the major league level it's like that family guy episode where they win a boat or they win the mystery box <laughs> oh, oh i've got corbin burns well, but what's in the mystery box it might be corbin burns like that's kind of the scenario you run yourself into and i get the way that they have to run this team not have to the way they choose to run this team uh but thinking about costs and knowing that they're not going to be you know a Phillies, uh, Yankees, Cubs payroll when the Cubs are good. But, like, just don't, like, it's such a loser mindset if they trade Corbin Burns right now. Like, I, I, that would just be so stupid. I, I like, this this organization, I know they talk about bites of the apple, but when you've never won a World Series, you should think more about selling out for a World Series than you do about, well, what's it going to look like in 2027? I'd really like us to win 82 games of that year. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, I think it's way too early. I'm just going to, it's gotten me yelling and emotional about it just because I don't think this team is that far away. And to your point about getting hot, it's getting hot and already having Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in your rotation that when you get hot, you also have two elite frontline starting pitchers to go up against the Padres and the Astros and, and things of that nature. And there is a big difference between basketball and baseball on this front, but it's, I, I will never think that it is irrelevant. Like I, I think the idea of we've got to run the team a certain way. We're one of the smaller markets. We can't spend like those other places. If you trade Corbin Burns, the squeeze gets even tighter because guess what? You're not getting the same number of fans coming out to Amphan. Uh, you're not winning as many games. You're kissing goodbye your chances of getting playoff revenue. And there isn't the hope people won't have that immediacy of, you know, well, this team, if it does get hot, they could go and win a World Series. And the books, even under their current ownership, their line was very similar their first few years, which is, look, we're in Milwaukee, we've got to be responsible. And they pushed that longer than really they should have in terms of approaching the tax, going into the tax. And eventually you do it, and you win a championship, and you're in a place where you can continue to compete for championships. And what happens? Well, 
your attendance soars, the demand for tickets soars, you can put your prices up, you have more commercial partners interested in being involved with the organization than ever, your level of interest around the world soars, so you can sell merchandise and jerseys and volumes you never did before, you become an entirely different player, you are no longer, oh, well, we're just little old Milwaukee, so we can only spend this much, and it does not seem like Adonazio has those funds at his disposal, um, as even, I guess, the individuals in the books ownership group, and they are they are a collective. There's now four, I guess, principal owners at this point, so they're they're able to play with a whole lot more there. But I, I can't but think there's something instructive about when you've got players of a certain caliber who you're not just going to have again. It's not like, oh, well, we'll get the next Corbin Burns in two years. You cannot bank on that, and your system currently does not suggest that is remotely in play. Um, you haven't got good starting pitching at all, really. I mean, Gasser is the only thing that's slightly intriguing in the farm system. If you don't, if you don't go in on Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, I don't know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for everything to be right to push a little bit further, and that just may never happen. Like we've talked about this before, but let's say. Jackson Churio is exactly what it seems like he will be and is the next great megastar of baseball and he comes along and he's hitting homers for fun with the with the Brewers. The Brewers could be like the Angels. Like, they could be like the Angels. They could have a player who's as offensively gifted as that and yet you're just looking around being like, oh, well, we suck. <laughs> We're terrible. It doesn't matter. You end up in a Juan Soto situation. So... I don't know. I think that balance is very difficult. And I just think as much as the reality is there and there are the facts, when you own a, a professional sports team, there are these junctures where you've got to go, you've got to push it a little bit further. You've got to kind of take that leap of faith if you want to get yourself out of the spot where you're just treading water and where every decision you have to make has to be about that. And if you don't take that risk, if you never go to that level, well, then you've just you've got no chance of getting there in a more sustained way, of being a bigger team, of making more revenue, of winning at a really, really high level year in, year out. So, yeah, it's kind of a a real test of nerve and for how that gets processed. And I don't even think we need to see it. We already know the way they think about that. And I, I think off the back of a disappointing season, missing the playoffs last year, that makes it easier that that perhaps makes it easier for them to make their mind up. I just sure hope that we see Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff starting games for the Brewers all throughout next season, but we'll see. We'll see. I think we will. I think Ken Rosenthal just wanted to make me mad for a podcast episode. Good for content. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's uh, let's transition over into the starting pitchers of the 2022 Milwaukee Brewers. Do you want to? Where do you want to start, Andrew? I'll let you steer. Will we start at the top. Work down uh, in terms yeah, of game started, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, let's start at the top. Let's start with what we've been talking about. You know, let's. Keep the transition uh, right right to the two guys we just discussed. A little less whiplash there. Um, so we'll start with Corbin Burns. Uh, obviously the ace of the staff. Uh, had a great season. Uh, not as low in terms of the ERA and the run prevention as his Cy Young season of 2021, but finished the year with a 2.94 ERA. Made 33 starts, 202 innings pitched. 243 strikeouts, with which led the National League uh, fourth most innings pitch of any starter in baseball. He was, uh, this season for him was just about being the guy that they could rely on every fifth day when the rest of the rotation uh, was riddled with injuries. Corbin Burns was Mr. Reliable. Um, had a really hot start to the season, just absolutely elite in April and May. Uh, had a so-so June, bounced back with a great July. August was the rockiest month of the season for him. Uh, and then um, another so-so month of September finished out. October with three innings pitched against Arizona. But overall, great year for Corbin. W- which way are you leaning here, Adam? Um, this, is, this is a true how many beers and who gets a beer when situation when we go into this grading too so i i believe you've I, i'm gonna do this very much in the moment i'm gonna work out how i'm feeling i believe you've done some more plotting out of what you would grade these players when you're doing that were you factoring in the context of who they are and their past experience or was it just purely within where they fall on the brewers roster uh it was it, it's contextual it's about who they are about what you expect from them i think it's we're grading this on a curve for each player and not an equal curve. I'll say. Um, I I'll, so, I'll yeah. say where I'm at for Corbin though. Uh, I am right between a B and a B plus. I I think really leaning B plus. He was phenomenal early in the season. Overall, really strong season with the volume, the workload, everything he gave the Brewers. Um. He's kind of being Corbin Burns. He's being the version of the guy you expect. He did have some tough spells where things got a little bit away from him. I guess that's that's really the only knock um, from being completely dominant at points through the first half of the season. It, it got away from him a little bit, but I don't really hold that against him too much. I don't think it's an A season. 
don't think it's an A season. You may disagree with that. Um, but I'm right at the top end of B into B plus. I think anything in that kind of range seems very fair. This was a very, very good season from Corbin Burns. I was between a B plus and an A minus. I came out on the A minus because of that volume and that uptick that he uh provided from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. And when I think about that, it's uh, thinking about the extra innings Corbin provided, even not at an elite level, how much better were they than who they would have had to throw if Corbin was not throwing those innings and in the midst of a season where there were so many injuries. So that's why I came out on the A minus side, even if compared to Corbin at his best, it was not quite at that level. So for the volume, uh, the, the strikeout totals, best in the National League, uh, second best in baseball, that's where I came out. Uh, on the A minus side, um, we need like uh, we need to do a live show and just have like a poll from the the well, crowd and they can just. Vote this one's on easy. Win. This one's easy because we've we've given ourselves a perfect average point, which is a B plus. I'm between B B plus. You're between B plus A minus. We're a B plus. With protest, he lost. See, Andrew is not gonna. Andrew is not willing for just the compromise here. I'm willing. What? Well, see, this also we is have things come to do today, to... Adam. So we we I'm fine with we it. <laughs> we don't know what kind of. Uh, I might just be a tougher grader than you. Like I'm thinking of A's think... for this Brewers roster, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many, if any, I'm gonna have. Um, like B plus is very much in. I'm saying, yeah, Corbin Bird's as good as any brewer really last season is kind of right where I'm at with that. I think this is going to be met with uh, with uproar in the Discord. Like everything we ever do. Everyone, we're not positive enough, Andrew, for all these people, but that's fine. We're not I'm, here, to, off, we're here to be ourselves. Mode. I'm positive, Pat. I'm, it's off-season mode. I'm, I'm we're looking back in. on last season here, though. If you want to, uh, if you want to, like predict his grade for next season and give him an A plus, I'm fine with that. I'll get on board with that. <laughs> yeah, just going down the list and just me predicting A pluses. <laughs> uh, let's do this like you said. I think it, not like how I listed them, but this do it by innings pitch. That's that's a that's a really good way to do this. And next up on the list for innings pitch by a starter is Eric Lauer. Uh, Eric Lauer had a up and down season. Uh, the biggest issue for Lauer, what was it, Adam? It was allowing. Home runs. Home runs. Allowed more, more home runs than he's ever allowed in his career, but he did provide 158 and two-thirds innings pitch for the Brewers, finishing with a 3.69 ERA. Gave them innings again when they needed it, 29 starts. Um, Yeah, so, like, uh, this is an interesting test case for this. Now that I I know how we're coming across with the grades, uh, I'm somewhere between a, a C plus and a B minus. Um, just based on what you expect from Lauer in his position in the rotation, you're not expecting him to be an ace. But he did have, in more innings again, a noticeable drop off from 2021, largely due to that home run problem. You go from allowing 16 home runs to 27 home runs in a season. Uh, that's kind of tough. Uh, so I guess I'll go first here, since we're I, based on all of this, I think. I'm between a C plus and a B minus, and I guess based on the home run issues, we we got to land with with C plus. Where do you land? Uh, I'm B minus. I mm. I think I think Lauer was really really good, better than the numbers suggest. The home runs were a problem, but he did work on that. I think he got a lot better late in the season. 
And in a similar way, I guess, to your Corbin Burns argument, that volume from Eric Lauer, like he was more important to the Brewers than hopefully he'll ever be again. <laughs> um, Just he's one of the few guys who was close to an ever-present, who was really there, giving them a lot of really good games. I mean, 13 quality starts is not nothing. I I was very impressed by him. I think one of the one of the issues aside from homers could get a little bit walky at times, but didn't give up a ton of hits. Like he's very, very controlled and kind of I think weighs out pretty nicely when you compare him even to the absolute superstar duo at the top of this Brewers roster. So I think given given expectations on him, given what you would have hoped for. Like coming into the season and with everyone healthy, he was clear four in terms of the pecking order and brewer starters. And are, there probably would have been people who are like, oh, Ashby's coming. Like Lauer's Lauer's your fifth best starting pitcher. That's very much not the case. He was he was the third best. He was giving you volume. He was also giving you really good starts, some good stuff when he was out there. Um oh yeah, I I'm B minus. Do you wanna do you wanna negotiate down? Does you wanna compromise down or are you I don't care enough to do that. Uh we're gonna lock it in B minus. Uh Brandon Woodruff. Do you want me to start on Brandon Woodruff? Is that where you're... uh well if if there's anyone that you're going to start on, I think it should be Brandon Woodruff. Your your fondness for him uh is known and for good reason. So yeah, well, get, give us a start on Brandon Woodruff. I feel like this isn't rooted in the numbers because he had a tough start. And then obviously he missed some time and the Brewers missed him dearly during that time. I feel like Brandon Woodruff's best, though, might have been the best of what any Brewers starting pitcher gave the team this year. There's You're splitting hairs really between him and Corbin. But he reached a level that was exceptionally high. Um, he did so in some of the Brewers' times of greatest need as well, late in the season, when they were very much down guys um, in terms of injuries to starters. Adrian Hauser obviously missed quite a lot of time. Ashby was out for some time too during that spell. Um, the bullpen was just terrible, and we were like, we just can't afford to see the bullpen if the Brewers have a chance of winning this game and making the playoffs. And what he just got into a groove of, oh yeah, I'm just going to give you seven to eight innings every single time and maybe there'll be a couple of runs allowed there but on some of those occasions we weren't even talking about that um like only you have to go back to july to find a game where he didn't give sorry there was one against the dodgers um he gave five innings against the dodgers in september um, allowing only two earned runs, so not even the most disastrous there. But he was someone where if he didn't make six, generally, he's going five and two thirds. To go sub five, you're back to June, and that was when he's working his way back, or right around. That's the time he got injured. So where your four innings pitched, he was one of the most reliable. I think even Corbin had a few more starts where it's like, oh, this is just not there. Um if you want to pinpoint a game where Woody had that, it was the opening game of the season against the Cubs where I don't think he even got to the fourth. So 
I, I think what he delivered for the Brewers, the consistency and the when he was doing it, really kind of rising to meet the moment, was pretty undeniable. Um, 11.2 strikes per nine innings, which is the highest rate of anyone on the team, strikeouts, I should say. He is pretty nasty. And I think considering the time he missed, considering his struggles early in the season, to come back to finish the year with a 1.07 whip, 3.05 ERA, all very, very oppressive. And yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning with matching Woody with Corbin Burns at B plus. Yeah, I wanted them both at A minuses. So having them both at B plus meets that in the middle. The what if you can marry uh Corbin Burns start to the season with Brandon Woodruff's finish to the season, you've got a Cy Young winner. Uh, they <laughs> were just... You've got, maybe got more than a Cy Young winner. you got one of the greatest pitchers ever. Yeah, we'll take we'll take that. From from July on, um, he was incredible. I guess really the end of June. Um, tough April, tough May. Obviously, uh, the injury takes him out of commission for a while. The, the only thing keeping him from from being like at a at an A is if he had had the a better A a better start to the season B more volume of innings and I think that's the Brandon Woodruff season we're gonna get next year. I mean, obviously you can't predict injuries, but if he stays healthy uh, and continues in the form that he was in last year, I mean, that's why I want to keep these two guys together in the rotation because I think uh, I think they both could have. 200 plus inning years with just like mid two ERAs and this rotation could do all the things that we said they were going to do on a blue wire tweet uh, so many months ago, Adam. You're um, right about Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, we were. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm good with B plus uh, being the settled grade. I think we're getting a couple of uh, A years next year from both. But he was consistently... But we were looking for opportunities to watch games together with our listeners. We were like, are we getting a Brandon Woodruff start? Hell yeah. Let's let's is it at midnight? Uh uh was there five rain delays? Adam's got a is on a bus on the way to work uh the next morning. It's fine. We're gonna watch anyway. That's that's how we felt about Brandon Woodruff starts towards the end of the year. For sure. Next on the list, need to resort my statistics. It's Aaron Ashby. Uh Aaron Ashby, 107 and one-third innings pitch, 4-4-4 ERA uh, to finish out the year. 19 games started, 27 games overall. You and I had often debated what was his best role. Uh, we thought it was in that swingman, multi-inning reliever role. Um, the Brewers signed him to that mid-year extension and have been optimistic and positive about what they think he can be as a starter. His issue really is his command and his command, especially in two strike counts uh, where he had trouble putting guys away. He's got nasty stuff, but he would throw by his own admission too many uncompetitive pitches in at bats that don't even move a hitter's hands. Um, And that ended up being his undoing uh, the walks and then just not being able to put guys away with two strikes. Those were the the two things that kept him from having um, this developmental season that he wanted. Um, I think he'll he's a lot to be in that rotation to start the year. So um, this will be something that is 
something to watch in spring training and early next year is what does Ashby's development look like? Uh, for all those struggles in the starting role, uh, I ended up leaning C minus because there were there were moments where you would see the flashes of brilliance and the potential, but overall just not enough consistency for it to be anything. And I think his best moments, except for a few starts here and there, did come in that uh, bullpen role. And allocating yeah, his war, I think I've over I've overbooked this. So <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. We're in lockstep. I'm C minus two. I, I wouldn't paint it as overly positive. Like C minus is disappointing for where we would have been hoping to see Aaron Ashby coming into the season. Um I I think it's it's fair because we know how his best stuff plays, and his best stuff could be honestly better than anyone else's in all of baseball. And that's kind of been the read on him for a long time now um he just needs to find the consistency i i think like we talk about the will they trade corbin burns and that kind of conversation the brewers are hoping he is corbin burns that's what they're hoping and that the early career struggles are just going to iron out at some point and you already know what his best stuff looks like and all of a sudden you've got an absolute monster on your hands i, I think that's certainly a consideration how the brewers are viewing the evolution of their pitching is that wise is it likely to play out that way does everyone just turn into corbin burns no they did not um ashby's potential is real though i am not someone who likes to put any stock in wins and losses i think it's one of the most ridiculous measures in baseball having said that i will just note um aaron ashby's wins and losses two wins ten losses uh, which, but it skewed that significantly. Just it does say something. It's not ideal. Um, nineteen games started, only three quality starts. Also, not great. I think the C minus here, though, is in part. I don't feel, and I know you're in agreement on me, as you already alluded to. We talked about it. The Brewers didn't necessarily put him in the best spot to succeed by him being in this category. They could have had much more even of a hybrid role from earlier in the season. They could have played it a little bit better. And I think you might have seen a more confident Aaron Ashby who could have delivered that bit extra compared to what he ultimately did over the course of the season. So I, I think C- minus because when he, like some of those games, by the fourth inning, it might be a disaster. But through three innings, you're like, my God, look at these pitches. Like nobody has a chance of hitting them. And that's kind of, that's Ashby until everyone has a chance of hitting him. Yeah, and he was him being forced into that role. It's also a product of injuries. He became essential at a certain point <laughs> because yeah. it was like uh, an Aaron Ashby start was a was a positive thing at a certain point because it it meant it wasn't a bullpen game or <laughs> something like that. And obviously, he. Uh, struggled with injuries himself over the course of the season and towards the end of the season when he was ramping back up uh, uh, at certain points. It's, you knew he would, was only good for, for three or four innings because he just didn't have that time to build back up as a starter. Next on the list is Adrian Hauser. Very, very tough season for Adrian Hauser. Uh, injuries and just ineffectiveness on the mound, 102 and two thirds innings pitch, four seven three ERA on the year, uh, a far cry from the success that he had in twenty twenty one, where he had a three 
2-2 ERA across 142 and a thirds innings. Uh, it's been kind of uh, hot and cold seasons uh, back and forth for him since 2019, um, which was the year he um, really established himself as a major league pitcher, um, was half in the bullpen, half in the rotation in 2019. Uh, where he had some success, struggled in the 2020 shortened season, came back last year, was really good, and then struggled again in 2022. Um, A lot of discussion about whether or not he will be a a factor in the Brewers' plans next year. Um, Will he be non-tendered? Will he come back and be in the rotation? Will they uh, return him to the the pitch mix that was less sinker-heavy during the 2019 season and put him back in the bullpen? A lot of debate there, but I think for the 2022 season, unfortunately, I'm I'm leaning around a, a D for Adrian Hauser um, just because not a lot went well at all. And he was kind of expected, to your point, um, to be, I guess, the number the number four starter locked in and that rotation behind the front three and ahead of Lauer. And he ended up just not providing much at all. Yeah, I, I think a D is fair. Um Injuries are a big issue here. Like, it feels like he never really got any momentum because although he doesn't come down the absolute lowest end of innings pitched, I'll be uh, a more important pitcher to the Brewers' future that we'll get to in a, very shortly. It it was just so stop start. Like, it feels like Hauser had more injuries maybe than than any other Brewer starting pitcher and couldn't get anything going. It's a pretty tough watch. <laughs> Most Hauser games, like you know that you've got to get a lot of ground balls. I, he's also, I guess, the kind of the kind of pitcher he is. You need your infield defense to be really strong and dialed in, and there were certainly times this year where that was not the case for the Brewers, um, and maybe where he would have been helped out or got out of trouble. And previous years, that wasn't going to be there for him. If he's back next year, I think that might be a very good start to building a new, better bullpen would be to put Adrian Hauser back in the bullpen and maybe give yourself someone who you can go to regularly for minimum two innings, maybe even three innings. Like the the Brewers certainly lacked quality middle relievers last year. Um, I think it's something that they could do with to take some of the pressure and some of the volume off someone like Devin Williams, who, I mean, a team like the Brewers end up in just close games nearly every night. And we found ourselves in a situation where it's like, they need Devin, they need Devin and he can't, he can't go that often. So that would be for me, I think if he's back next year, um, based on the assumption, well, that Corbin and Woody are back and you've got Lauer and you've got Ashby and you're, can I have Freddie Peralta healthy? Well, then it seems very obvious that, okay, Adrian Hauser, there's no starting spot for you. You're in the bullpen. And I don't think that'll be a bad thing. I think that could that could be something that could be quite effective. And I know it's a conversation we had before too, but that's he you mentioned that he really could be a very different type of pitcher. Like if he's if he's going limited innings, we may see him open up and be able to do some things that are just not a factor in his game right now and may lead to kind of better results on a on an out-to-out basis. Next up on the board is probably the toughest one for me to come down with on a grade because 
this was entirely injury related. Uh, Freddie Peralta threw only only seventy eight innings, three five eight ERA. Battled through a lot of starts where he did not have his normal velocity and was just really laboring out there trying to give the Brewers innings. But uh, at the end of the day, he couldn't had a that really promising and then tough uh, bullpen appearance late in the year um, where he was probably left in the game too long. Not probably was left in the game too long. And uh, at the end of the day, just was not the season you were expecting from Freddie all because his his body let him down and he couldn't be on the mound. Where did you get on on Freddie? Because I just have zero idea of how to start with this grade. It's almost like a, an incomplete. We need to to make up the grades in, in summer school. Like where where did you land? It kind of feels like incomplete, but he also played too much for an incomplete. Like he had seventeen starts. That's yeah, that's not nothing. I I don't feel, for example, the next pitcher we'll talk about is an incomplete. We saw plenty of them. Um, I think the one thing I'll say on Freddie, like his season ultimately does come down to how much injury limited him. By the same token, he was not at his best prior to the injury problems. He wasn't quite giving you everything you wanted. He was good, solid. Uh, but I think at that point, everyone was hoping like the next gear was something we we're going to see him move into pretty quickly. And we we're going to see something like the best of Freddie Peralta. Injuries got in the way of that. Um, I don't know. I think it's really tough. I think, like, I think I, it's. I think it's. It's clear to me now, but it's. It's in the the C C minus range. But I, I think that's right. C minus is probably where where I'd have to go with it. Yeah, sadly, I mean, it's just. It, it is what it is. Uh, he he was not at his best, and then he just wasn't on the mound. So, but. Another, I mean, this is another storyline that we haven't really even touched on in the offseason just because we haven't had the time. But what does Freddie look like next year? I think getting one of the benefits of not making a deep playoff run is you get plenty of time for uh, rest and recovery. So if his shoulder's back to uh, 100% and his velocity's back to where it was, uh, you know, when he's when he's at his best, could be in store for a, a great Freddie Peralta bounce back season, but just, I mean, going through this exercise so much about uh, how ineffective the offense would be for spells and just not being able to get a run across when you need it against the Pirates in June or whatever it may be, or July, August, whenever that post Josh Hader trade was. But so much of last season just comes down to um, this guy missed this amount of starts, this guy yeah. missed this amount of starts, and this guy wasn't as good as you expected him to be in the rotation. So funny how that goes. Also, I mean, I think we'll see some more of this our next episode. The pitching was not what it needed to be, but it feels like the pitching department where there were less excuses was the bullpen. And there's yes. lots of guys who just didn't deliver, didn't play very well. Decisions that were made uh, from a front office level that didn't work out. So I, I think it is fair to say, the offense was a problem. Uh, we talked plenty about this, and there's now this deep pushback where people start like cutting off. Oh well, the, they ranked here in home runs, and it's like it's actually one of the best Brewers offenses in history. Like, let's not just be obtuse and stupid about it. Like, let's use our eyes as well as our brains. The problem the Brewers had is that yes, they could get three home runs a game, great, 
they couldn't get runners on base. <laughs> like, so that's a problem. You only have to give up one home run. The base is loaded. And guess what? Your three home runs count for nothing. Like it, the way I think the Brewers offense, and what was good about it is viewed last year. Uh, a lot of people have chosen to frame it as something which just completely ignores how baseball works, which it does not. It is not the winner is the team who gets the most home runs. I mean, it should be if you've built a somewhat functioning offense, but that isn't what the Brewers had. Now, that's reason to be optimistic going into next season, which is like, okay, we already know there are multiple guys who can hit homers on this team. Now, what if we could just get on base? Like, that's that's the story of that for the offense. But I think to flip to this side of it, for the pitching, where the starting pitching let the Brewers down is mostly availability. And you can't do a whole lot about that. If there was a starting pitcher that started the year in Nashville that we thought was going to get 71 innings, 71 and two-thirds innings pitch during the major league season, we would have put all of our money on Ethan Small, Adam. But that's not who we're going to talk about next. It's Jason Alexander. Clear, clear out the rest of your day, folks. I'm sure this is the one where we're really going to dig in on the grade. <laughs> 11, 11 starts, uh, 72 and two-thirds innings pitched. 5-4-0 ERA. Uh, made his debut, Major League debut, after a uh, uh, signing with the Angels as an undrafted free agent in 2017. Worked his way through the minor league system, started the season in Nashville, then promoted to the big leagues. June 1st, made his debut. He was probably expected to throw 0. 0.000 innings for the Milwaukee Brewers in 2022. Instead, he threw 71 and two-thirds. Um, I'm somewhere between a D plus and a C minus here for Jason Alexander because he was not good for most of his starts, but we're factoring in the context and he gave the Brewers innings when they were probably hit the hardest by the injury bug. So it it is what it is. Uh, it, what did we give Adrian Hauser? Adrian Hauser got a D. Okay. Um, because of expectation, I'm comfortable with with going above. Uh, what yeah, Hauser gone, was given? He's gone way above Hauser. He, oh Jesus Christ! What are you giving him? I think the most important thing you said is the expectation for Jason Alexander coming into the season is that he would have zero point zero zero innings pitched. Okay, with the Milwaukee all right. Brewers. Just tell me the grade. <laughs> A C. It's C minus. We're not going. We're not it's, going above. We no. This. We're not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. He had a five four zero ERA. He could have a C minus. I will fight you to the death on this because things have to matter. Being good at run prevention has to matter when we're grading these players. C minus. Jason Alexander. I think Jason Alexander should have a C because we gave Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff a B plus because it is relative to the context of who they are as players, right? This is still so, relative to the context. I, I let you shout at me. Let me speak. <laughs> I think he should have a C because his job was they were decimated. He is not good. We've been through this. Jason Alexander, for whatever reason, is the thing that drives you completely insane. It's been the case all season. I've been greatly abused by like, continuing to biggest be abused flaw, by... biggest flaw of, or second biggest flaw of their roster building of the season. Second biggest, not the biggest. I, I don't disagree, but it is not on him that the flaw of the roster building is him. So he gets up and his job was, don't just play us out of games. And he did not do that. 
They were in nearly every game he played in. That's his job. He is not a major league pitcher. It is not his fault that he's put there. So it's not Freddie two... Peralta's fault that he was injured, and we're held, we have no, to hold that against him in grades. He, he performed below his expectations before his injury. Like Alexander, you said it yourself. The expectations and where he should have been is that he plays zero innings for the Milwaukee Brewers in the major league last season. It is not his fault that he goes there, and we're talking about a five point four ERA, like. It's like, yeah, I'm okay going better than Hauser. It's like, Hauser was expected to be a starting pitcher at the major league level going into the season. C is not saying, oh, you did a fantastic job, Jason Alexander. I'll give you C minus. I'm not going to fight like that over a minus grade. But I want my, I want my case to be heard because you're being completely ridiculous about this. I'm not being completely ridiculous because he was, we'll run, we'll run the worth negative, he was worth negative <laughs> value to the team statistically. Uh I appreciate him for what he did, but re- results still have to matter to a degree when we're grading a season. Like I know we're doing a degree of handholding on this, but the, I can only go so far on a handholding. It's every player is about who are they. It's like if if you put me out there, if I'm part of this equation and I've got a fifty four point three ERA, I don't get an I'm, F. I'm not giving you a the C. Brewers and you're get my an friend. F. The Brewers get an F for putting me out there, like. I I don't think that I just I can't go that far because he was the worst starting. You're literally in a made up exercise. It's over the difference between a minus and there being no minus. It's okay. I'm fine to go with C minus. I just want the case to be heard because that's that's my process in this whole exercise. He would come out as a C because he performed to a like yeah okay you were out there you did what you could do when put in that situation. It's on the Brewers that he had to be as important a factor in their season as he was. It's not on Jason Alexander. Like, he's not a guy who went out there and had a double-digits ERA, which, honestly, relative to his ability, he probably should have. Like, he, he did some good stuff there for his level of play. And that's... I was on that island at the time. I'm still on it now. It doesn't mean that we should ever see him again as a Brewers pitcher. That goes without saying. But it's... I do not blame Jason Alexander. And I, I think he gave multiple actually good performances in a vacuum. We gave him beers. You were on board of giving him beers. He did some good stuff. Um, so that's, I saw him too much. That's my piece. That's all I've got to say on it. But I'll let the people decide for themselves. Yeah. Let the, I hope, let the I hope their ears decide. are okay. That's fine. I, I never get worked up. So it's, it's, uh, it's, we need, need it for the content, Adam. There have been people that uh, tell me I'm too agreeable. So, uh, there were other players that made starts, but they're not going to be part of this exercise. Chichi Gonzalez, Ethan Small, uh, and then Matt Bush got a start as an opener where he got hurt. Uh, but that I think has taken us through the bulk of the people that got meaningful starts for the 2022 Milwaukee Brewers. So you know, hit us up in the Discord and uh, let us know what you think about our grades. My screen is frozen as I'm trying to refresh the statistics here. I've broken my laptop uh, with my with my anger. I, I somehow feel like you've done a good job of making sure that we don't hear too much about Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff not getting A's. Um, I think people, people are going to be on I, my I, side. I feel like this. I know what we're going to hear about, but um, we'll, we'll are, see. We'll let it play out. I, th- I think people are going to be on my side. That's that's definitely how you generally live your life. <laughs> what? What does that mean? 
We'll pack it offline. We'll pack it offline. Any final thoughts? Bullpen next week? Yeah, we'll do the bullpen next week, which should be fun for a couple guys. And then uh, not fun for the back half. But Actually, the bullpen is probably going to be the easiest position group we do. We're going to have a, like, a some lot pretty of... clear-cut positives yeah. and some pretty clear-cut negatives. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really expect too much debate on the bullpen. We've we've uh we'll we'll have our shared uh version of what just happened. Uh, there's a player that uh you you have these strong feelings about that you've sent in private DMs, and we'll we'll unpack from there. I can't remember who that is. Maybe that's for the best that I just when it comes to it and I see the name that. We get we get the organic response to it. Alright, that does it for this episode. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's cruising for a bruising. We're on Twitter at Brewers GSPN. You should also be subscribed to all the rest of the Eurostep Podcast Network shows. So that means the main Eurostep Podcast Network feed covering all things Milwaukee books, with Tywin to Sharon Cotty on the Eurostep and myself and Jordan Tresky on Winning Six. We've got Talk of the Tundra covering all things Green Bay Packers. If ever there's a week to listen to Talk of the Tundra, I would make sure you do it now because uh, a hat trick of touchdowns for Christian Watson, that's fun. An overtime win against Mike McCarty, that's fun. Um, Aaron Rodgers going out and taking hits like an offensive lineman, I guess that's fun too. So, yeah, good win for the Packers. Check out what Jordan and Numak have to say on that game over on Talk of the Tundra. And don't forget, make time for this. Our feed for pop culture and other things. Most recent episode, myself, Numak, and Jordan talked about The Bear, one of our favorite TV shows of 2022. And up next, Andrew and I will be talking about Decision to Leave and Park Chan Book, which is an episode I'm very, very excited for. So, same top of all that, we'll be back next week to talk about the bullpen. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>